Hey, I got a special intro song for this. You ready? Here we go. A man claiming he's Jesus plows his car into a PG&E worker, pinning him against his truck. The man's passenger comes to the rescue. People say, don't hit Jake. Well, good thing I was hit Jake. That one was in danger. So I ran up behind him with a hatchet. Smash, smash, smash. Yeah, yeah. The keys started driving that car. We get met me. How a lot of bodies around here. Dude, that guy was fucking cooped out. He didn't woman's neck like a pencil stick. So I started smashing in the head. Smash, smash, smash. I mean, you gotta admit, it's a little catchy. Smash, smash, smash. Okay, I know, I hear you. What the fuck was that, Harmony? What's going on here, huh? What's what's happening? Well, that whole intro song actually plays in with what I have for you today. However, before we begin, hey there. As you probably figured out, my name is Harmony and I'm your host. That was more so for any of you newcomers who have never listened to an episode of What the Actual F. Now that you know my name, let me tell you what to expect here. I like to come here every week and tell you some of the most disturbing, most outlandish, and quite frankly, dark tales from around our world. In our world, there are tales of darkness, of murder, of crimes, of disappearances, of hauntings, of all things paranormal, and of course, a good juicy conspiracy from time to time. Our world is made up of so many things, and a lot of those things will leave you questioning What's the actual F was that? And well, that's where I come in. And today's case is no different. How many of you were told to never pick up a hitchhiker as you were growing up? My mom always warned me to never pick up a hitchhiker that most likely that person was gonna kill me. Well, (laughs) that brings us to the topic at hand today, a hitchhiker. Some of you may already be very well versed in the tale of Kai the Hitchhiker, and many of you aren't. Allow me to enlighten you. In 2013, Caleb McGilvery became an unlikely hero and even an unlikelier star. There were TV appearances and concerts and women and many new friends. He had the promise of money and even a possible reality TV show of his very own. However, Instead, just three months after his hit to fame, this Alberta man was facing life in prison for a murder that he says was self-defense. Ladies and gentlemen, the tale I have for you is absolutely astounding. A hero turned murderer. A hitchhiker turned hero. Oh God, this story is so great. Y'all, sit back, relax, and enjoy as I tell you the story of Kai the Hatchet-Wielding Hitchhiker. I'm one of the yeah. heroes. Yeah. Can we talk to you? Do you mind? What do you want to talk about? What happened today? Well, went straight out of Dogtown, skateboarding, surfing it up. Before I say anything else, I want to say no matter what you've done, you deserve respect. Even if you make mistakes, you're lovable. And it doesn't matter your look, skills, or age, or size, or anything, you're worthwhile. No one could ever take that away from you. Now, this stuff right here, I was driving and I was, well, I was in the passenger side of this car and he comes over on there he was over by the recycling center he says oh when i was in the virgin islands 30 years old on a business trip i i uh, i saw this 14 year old i was like you what he's like i raped this 14 year old starts crying gives me a big hug he's just like 300 pound guy i'm like oh you must be 
bastard, man. Like, what's he talking about? I didn't take him seriously at first. He comes driving down this way. He's like, you know what? I come to realize I'm Jesus Christ and I can do anything I fucking want to. And watch this. Bam! And he smashed into this fucking guy right there, pinned him in between that fucking truck. And so I, it, I hop out, I look over, the guy's pinned there. I mean, like, freight train riders know this. Like, if you get pinned between something, do not move that shit, otherwise you bleed out. Like, motherfucker, I, I ran in, I grabbed the keys, he's sitting there like nothing even happened. And like, like, man, if you started driving that car around again, man, there would've been a hell of a lot of bodies around here. I hop on out, and so I grabbed the bag, I threw it over by that pole right there, and then buddy gets out and these two women are trying to help him he runs up and he grabs one of them man like a guy that big can snap a woman's neck like a pencil stick so i fucking ran up behind him with a hatchet smash 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 our story today starts late on the morning of february 1st 2013. This was when Caleb Lawrence McGilvery would meet Jesus Christ on a highway just outside of Bakersfield. Not exactly where I would picture Jesus hanging out, but hey, <laughs> whatever. At this point, Caleb had been on the road a lot. He left his home in Alberta as a young teenager to find his way out in the world, all on his own. He'd go back home from time to time for his family, for friends, for school, or even for work. But this routine, it didn't suit him for long. Caleb had wanderlust. By the early months of 2013, he found himself drifting once again. He wouldn't refer to himself as being homeless. Instead, he called himself home free. He didn't actually have ties binding him to one place, meaning Caleb was free to roam. By this point in his life, Caleb had hitchhiked through provinces and states, walking over mountains and across borders. He moved as his mood took him. He'd sleep under bridges and in vans or on boats and on couches. He'd work whenever he had to to get a meal or cover what he needed from time to time. Throughout his journey, he would find himself making friends, attending parties, and going to beaches to hit up the waves and surf all along his journey. Now, he called himself Kai, unless the authorities were asking, in which case he would go by the name Edward Carl Nicodemus, or whatever moniker came to mind. At this place in our tale, Kai was 24 years old. Kai spent the last night of March sleeping alongside Route 99 in California. The road headed toward North Fresno, and he started beside the highway when a black Oldsmobile rolled to a stop just beside him. The driver motioned for Kai to go ahead and get on in. On that morning, Jeff Simmons McBride was on his way to stop a terrorist attack that he believed was going to happen. He was one of those conspiracy theorists, you know, someone like us. But maybe not quite, actually. He was a little bit more into it, if you know what I'm saying. He had found a conspiracy theory on the internet and made his own calculation of numbers and signs. He believed that something was about to occur at the Super Bowl. Now, Jeff was a 54-year-old man, well over 6 feet tall and almost 300 pounds. If you looked at Jeff, you could tell he hadn't slept in probably months. He had barely eaten for weeks and had recently come to the conclusion that he was Jesus Christ. At this point in time, Jeff had tossed his cell phone and left his dog Zoe on the side of the road. He did this so that he couldn't be traced. When his phone was found and returned, he immediately smashed it and threw it away all over again. 
Jeff was also doing his very best to ignore the white trucks that seemed to be following him, the ones that Jeff believed were from the Illuminati. Then, suddenly, Jeff saw him, Kai the Hitchhiker. Yeah, the, the lady said you saved your life. She was the one who got grabbed by that f***er. You know what? F*** is cool. That guy ain't. Shit. How, how'd you how'd you get in his car? How how did you? I was hitchhiking. I was well. Good thing I was hitchhiking. Yeah. People say don't hitchhike. Well, this is what happens. Was well, yeah. Well, at least I was here. So he did this on purpose. Dude, that guy was fucking cooked out, man. Like he's beyond howling. Like I don't even see any breath in him. You know what I'm saying? Can can I get your name and where you're from if you if you don't mind? I'm Kai. Kai. Can I get spelling for you? Straight buddy? out of Dogtown. K A I. K A I. Do you have a last name? No, bro, I don't have anything. <laughs> where, where, where are you from originally? Are you from Fresno area? Sophia, West Virginia. No kidding. How old are you? I can't call it. Okay. What, have you ever experienced anything like today? And what made you take the actions that you did? That woman was in danger. He just finished uh, what looked like at the time killing somebody. And if I hadn't have done that, he would have killed more people. So, he's dead. Good. At this point in our tale, Jeff and Kai are getting along rather swimmingly. In fact, on the way to the city, they're talking about numerology and God and of course Walmart because you know what I always say, those three go oh so well together I guess. Anyways, when the two get to the city, they realize the car is overheating so they should just chill for a bit. But not before Jeff gives Kai $40 and tells him to go get some weed for them. Once Kai gets back, he hangs out by the car, pouring some water on the radiator, trying to cool it down. Now, even with what was about to happen with the moments following, Jeff would go on to say that Kai was the coolest son of a bitch he'd ever met. <clears throat> let me let me quote him. That there Kai is the coolest son of a bitch I'd ever met. Or, yeah, something like that. But straight up, he actually called him the coolest son of a bitch he'd ever known. And would go on to say that had the events that were about to happen hadn't have happened, he could see himself adopting Kai. Because Kai was the son he'd never had. Which, uh, side note, I find rather odd. These two men spent a little bit of time together, just a few hours, and all of a sudden, this guy can see him as a child? I don't know, it's just fucking weird. But <laughs> the tale of Kai is pretty weird. So this is, I guess, normal in what I'm going to tell you. At least the most normal thing that you're about to hear. Because, uh, hold on to your butts. This shit's going to get fucking crazy. Now it's time we talk about the event. The event that would make Kai an unknowingly star overnight. But like many stars, they all dwindle and burn out. Who would know that Kai Star would only burn out just three months later? Ugh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me go ahead and continue. What happened today after after the? Did you, you're obviously free now, but were you arrested? What was the process? What did they do to you when they came out? Obviously, they found out that you did the right thing, but the time that from the accident until now, where have you been? Well, he started he started following I like I, I cleaned his motherfucking head wide open with a hatchet. He stood up like he was pulled right up, right? And like, it, I'm like, I'm like, bro, if you're fucking Jesus Christ, I'll be the Antichrist, man. Like, that shit. 
and he starts following me off this way. So I figure I'll lure him right away from the crowd. So I'm running off this way. I, I got a, I got a hatchet in one hand, my fucking, um, this bag I'm carrying over with another hand. I start running off that way. And so uh, a, a couple of the people who was bystanders to it came over and told me to stop. And I was like, why stop? And he was like, the, the cops are already on their way. I was like, is he back up and doing anything? And somebody said that he was like masturbating in front of this school or fucking whatever this place is right here. Yeah. Did, were, were you questioned by police? Were you taken into custody? What happened? I mean, obviously. I was questioned. I was, I was put into the back of the uh, sheriff's wagon. Wasn't the policies the fucking pulled I over? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, I got put in the back of the uh, sheriff's wagon. The sheriff was like, "What happened here?" Took down a statement. I told him everything I just told you, and fucking um, let me on out. Said I couldn't grab all this stuff until uh, I, I, had, I had finished like they had finished with something, you know what I mean? And like, brought me back on over here so I could be in front of this thing, like this car right here. It's gnarly, man. Holy shit. It's like the biggest wave I've ever ridden in my life. Hey, before we continue, I need to make a note of something. Super sorry to stop this case and tell you this because I'm an idiot. Well, <laughs> I have been saying Jeff McBride for the first half of this podcast. His name is Jet McBride. I apologize so very much. This is all on me. I didn't read my notes correctly and I think I allowed the name to get changed because when I'm closing out my notes after I'm done like putting a case together, sometimes I just hit for it to correct my spelling here and there and it changed basically half of this man's name from Jet to Jeff. So the first half all says Jeff and I just caught on to it. I'm so sorry. But yes, yeah, so his name is Jet McBride or Jet Simmons. But yeah, this is who we're going to be discussing as we continue along with Kai. He's the person who picked up Kai. You know, the one who knew Kai for a few hours and was all of a sudden like, oh my God, he's like a son. That one. So now that we're caught up on Jeff and Jet's situation, let me tell you about Jessup. Jessup Riesbach was an experienced reporter for KMPH. This was the local Fox affiliate TV station located in Fresno. However, Jessup would typically cover sports and had recently just started filling in for other stories. Moving on up, moving on up. The call that would come through this day on the scanners that Friday afternoon was the first breaking news assignment that he would have. Jessup arrived on an extremely chaotic scene. A man had steered his car into a group of Pacific Gas and Electric workers. This caused one of the workers to go flying several feet and pinned another against a truck. Witnesses described the man who would later be identified as Jet Simmons McBride. You guys remember, the one I was calling Jeff? <laughs> Damn it, Harmony. Future Harmony, if you're listening, check your notes, thank you. Jet had actually been seen emerging from the car screaming, I'm Jesus Christ, and yelling other weird death threats and racial slurs as well. Yeah, just really being a peach, if you know what I'm saying. Just total dick. Jet had tried to yank the crushed worker from between the vehicles tugging at him until a former nurse who had been across the street ran over and wedged herself between them. You know, trying to protect this extremely injured man from Jet, who's apparently Jesus Christ right now. Witnesses would go on to say that Jet then grabbed a woman in a bear hug and was kissing and hitting her when a young man came running toward him with something that looked kind of like a hammer. 
Jessup was still talking to a witness when he spotted the young man walking nonchalantly across the street. The reporter immediately ran over to catch him and said, are you the hero? The response he got was, I'm one of the heroes. <laughs> the man he was talking to was Kai. He wore a red sweatshirt and carried a hiker's backpack. He held a cigarette in one hand and another was tucked up in his right ear. Jessup would go on to ask Kai, what happened today? Well, it went straight out of Dogtown, Kai said. Then he stopped and turned to the camera and had this to say. Before I say anything else, I want to say no matter what you've done, you deserve respect. Looking straight into the lens, he would continue on with this. Even if you've made mistakes, you're lovable. And it doesn't matter your looks, skills, or age, your size, or anything, you're worthwhile. No one can ever take that away from you. Then he turned back to the reporter and continued his story. He said that Jet had driven intentionally into the workers, and that he had taken the keys out of the car so Jet couldn't move it and hurt and pinned more workers, or harm anyone else. He described seeing Jet grab the woman as well. He said that he decided to run up behind Jet with the hatchet. Then he imitated picking him up off the ground with his head and slowly bringing down a hatchet yelling smash, smash, so smash. Or, you know, smash, smash, so mash. <laughs> Sorry, it's so catchy. He would go on to say that his name was Kai, you know, straight out of Dogtown, Kai, but offered little else about the goings on of what had happened. When asked his age, he said, I can't call it. And when asked where he was from, he said, Sophia, West Virginia, with a sly wink. You know, stating that this was simply untrue, wink wink. When Jessup asked him if he had a last name, Kai smiled and said, no bro, I don't have anything. While driving back to the station, Jessup replayed the interview in his mind, trying to make sense of the scene and of the man that he had just met. According to Jessup, it was unlike anything he'd ever experienced. The interview with Kai would go live that night, and Jessup would wake up the next morning to a flood of emails and texts. Bro, you are blowing up, in the words of his brother. This was when Kai, the hatchet-wielding hitchhiker, was born, and would become what we would call a viral sensation. Well, by now we all know of Kai, the hatchet-wielding hitchhiker. But no one really knows Kai, the hatchet-wielding hitchhiker, until now. All those questions about the world's latest hero are put to rest by KMPH News anchor Jessup Reisbeck in another story you'll only see here on KMPH News. Ran up behind him with a hatchet, smash, smash, smash. That is how the world has come to know Kai, the hatchet-wielding hitchhiker turned internet sensation. This point in our history, it was kind of a strange thing to go viral. We didn't have apps like TikTok where people every day were making little minute hits that would have their names thrust into the limelight. This was still somewhat of a new thing. The interview was long, nearly six minutes, and although Kai could be charming and funny, the story itself wasn't. A mentally ill man had driven his car into a group of people while screaming extremely racial slurs. The worker who had been crushed was very seriously injured, and Kai had hit the attacker repeatedly in the head with a hatchet. 
While people really seemed to love the smash, smash, so mash part of the interview, it wasn't even clear from the footage what Jet had survived, because he had survived. Some of the things that Kai talked about were violent and sad. He said Jet admitted to once raping a girl in the Virgin Islands, and he showed deep scars on his knuckles that he said were from another time that he had beaten someone while trying to protect a woman. You see all these teeth marks right here? I, I actually don't recall how he perfectly said it, but he said that as he looked at the camera, and as he was speaking, telling this tale how he beat some man for talking ill to a lady, which I understand and totally respect, but he said it with such amusement and anger and a bit of sorrow. This, as you can imagine, kind of... It hit people a little weird. They were kind of disturbed, but also could understand why Kai did what he did. It still disturbed them. Little did they know, they had a lot to be disturbed about when it came to Kai. But again, I'm getting ahead of myself, because we're still a few months out before we find out the truth behind this hatchet-wielding homeless man. Sorry, <laughs> home-free man. No matter the strangeness of this interview and of Kai himself, he connected to people. Maybe it was his extremely colorful language or his wild and carefree vibe. Or even the idea of such an unlikely hero in such a troubled youth, you know? Someone who just doesn't seem to be on the up and up, going through the best in their life, is still there to protect others and make sure that you are okay. Maybe it was how when he said that everyone deserves love and respect, it felt like he was speaking directly to you. A video posted by the cameraman was viewed 400,000 times overnight. Yeah, okay, those numbers might not mean a lot to you now in our day and age, but this was massive in 2013. Especially for the news, if you know what I'm saying. Now, versions of the interview were also posted on other areas of the internet and social media websites, and they were racking up thousands upon millions of views within hours. One man got 5 million views on the video in barely more than a day. Of course, after a little bit of time, the station was like, mm-mm, you're gonna take that video down. Thank you, buddy, those views are ours. As for the man of the hour, Kai himself, well, he was a mystery. He hadn't spoken with any reporters at the scene, and he had no phone, no address, and hadn't given out his real name or where he was really from. The only known contact was Jessup, who had his email address. At some points, Jessup was getting dozens of messages every minute, all from people looking for Kai. The video would go on to spread rapidly across the states and across the country and eventually across the world until it reached northern Alberta. This is where it was shared between Kai's siblings and parents. Initially, it was just another dispatch from his travels, with notes that said, if you're curious with Caleb, here's what he's up to. They said they had seen him a few months earlier at a wedding in Red Deer. To his friends and family, it just seemed rather odd for him to reappear like this so suddenly. It didn't surprise them though, although it had been odd that he was helping people, but it was also clear that he'd been through something traumatic. As his mother watched people's reactions and saw the reach of the video continuing to spread and to grow, she grew increasingly disturbed. Kai's teenage sister also saw it along with her friends when it was posted and reposted again and again. She had no idea that Kai was her brother. 
She also didn't find the video funny at all. This video may have been a smash hit, pardon the pun, but people had no idea the darkness that was truly lurking when it came to Kai. Again, again, I'm getting ahead of myself. Oh lord, I keep doing that, but I just can't wait to tell you. <sighs> okay, let's continue on with where we are right now. Mm, that vibration, bro. You know, it's being, being a part of everything. I want to say I'm from Sophia. Where, where are you from originally? Are you from Fresno area? Sophia, West Virginia. Notice that little punctuation there? Kai's real name is Caleb Lawrence, but since the age of 14, he's been known as Kai. He was born in Western Canada, not West Virginia. West Virginia. In 1988, he's 24 years old. I, mean, I was pretty much raised by the TV. I was a latchkey kid, and I was, I was hanging around in the ghettos and places where I, I grew up when I was only like seven and eight, wandering around with no, no support, no, nobody around to help me out. And there's, there's a lot of bad stuff that happened to me. And that's why he doesn't expose his personal information accurately often. Much of his past is darker and more gut-wrenching than you can imagine. During his now world-famous interview, Kai had a statement he said, I don't have any family. As far as anybody I grew up with is concerned, I'm already dead. This hurt to any friends and family that did love and care for Kai. In fact, his mother, who had stated they hadn't always had the easiest relationship, but this upset her for him to truly believe that she didn't care. Kai had spent his early life in Red Deer, and his family would later move to St. Paul, about a two-hour drive northeast of Edmonton. Kai was the second of four children and held a treaty status with the Opaskawayat Creek Nation in Manitoba. Kai had always been known as remarkably smart and creative. Many said he was full of energy and fire, but he struggled throughout his life and had been hospitalized more than once for his mental health. As a teenager, he had been devastated by a serious sexual assault that he suffered while hitchhiking through British Columbia. This assault led to a man being charged but not convicted. And I don't care who you are, if you have ever been assaulted and your, your perpetrator doesn't get justice, like you don't get your justice that is deserved, that shit fucking hurts. Take it from somebody who, who knows all too well. Some people honestly don't, they don't ever move forward because no justice was served. So in a sense, I can feel for Kai, but that doesn't excuse what is to come. By Kai's late teens, he spoke three different languages and had done some schooling, but he was always drawn back to the road. His family during these times would let him go. They didn't want to hold him down. After all, it, it's Kai's life, and no matter what they said, he was going to live it. As his younger sister would go on to say, one of the things that she saw in him and loved about him was his free spirit, his understanding, and that you've got to let him be a free spirit. This brings us back to 2013, where Jessup emailed Kai. He wanted to tell him of all of the interviews that were being asked of him because he was going viral, and not to be surprised if people started to recognize him while he was out on the street. By the time the two would meet up for a follow-up story, Jessup had become the de facto contact between Kai and all of the other world. You know, everyone else that wanted to talk to Kai. After all, Kai was a hot commodity. He was viral, but nobody could find him. Nobody except for Jessup. 
I wanted to get out of there. I wanted to run away. And I kept telling people and people would always take her side or they'd always take their side and they'd be like, you gotta keep the family together. You gotta keep the family together. And I was trapped in there. Kai is anything but trapped now. The most free spirit you will find. He says he has a high school diploma and even did a year at a university. He speaks three languages and his far out beliefs to most this metal inside the earth is like a car battery have helped him get through the darkest of times. All these scars are healed and there's still scars. You know, I don't want to go back to being a certain way. This inner child that I've guarded this whole life is still right here and intact. And I love this inner child very much. I respect this inner child. I value this inner child. And I am the dad that I always wanted. I go camping all the time. I'm good to people. You know, I don't judge myself for what I do. I ask myself for the reasons behind it. This right here, you know, is still intact. And I get to talk to this little child and be like, you know what? It's not your fault. It wasn't you that, that is responsible for them getting divorced. It's not you that was responsible for all that molestation. It wasn't you that was responsible for all that. You just had to take the fall. And now that I'm older, I can say that. In some ways, Jessup was worried about Kai. Kai was obviously highly intelligent and extremely street smart. But there was also something about him that seemed very vulnerable. Jessup wanted to protect him. It suddenly felt like everyone in the world was trying to get to Kai, and Jessup felt like he needed to keep him safe. Soon, there were invitations to 13 different countries, and just about every news program and show imaginable wanted to talk to Kai. The most notable interest, according to Jessup, came from the producers of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. They wanted to do a reality show with Kai. About three or four days after the viral video, Jessup and Kai met at a fast food restaurant in San Jose. Kai scarfed down a mass amount of burgers and fries while Jessup laid out all of the offers. The fame, the money, and the fact that he would be a celebrity. The American dream, you know, glimmering there on the Hollywood sign, being known by your peers, having your name in the spotlight. All because of that six minute video. Kai sat and listened, and then immediately threw a pencil in the air. If the pencil landed one way, he would accept the offers and make millions. He would accept the reality show and become a star. However, if it landed the other way, he would simply go back to smoking weed in San Francisco. When the pencil fell to the table, Kai said, Well, I guess I'm gonna go smoke weed. But, according to Jessup, he says that the producers pushed back even harder for at least maybe a very small, minute appearance on Jimmy Kimmel Live. Sorry, Kimmel. I always call him Kimmel. I don't know why. I know it's Kimmel. I, I don't know. They even offered to sweeten the deal and promised to put Kai in a limo filled with weed and let him drive around LA doing whatever he wanted. Just please be on the fucking show, man. This time, Jessup passed along the offer and Kai said yes. I mean, they had him at weed, come on. Hello and welcome back. Mindy Kaling 
Sting, Paul Ryder, and music from Family of the Year on the way. I'm in my car right now. But before we get to that, I'm about to pick up a very special hitchhiker. Ladies and gentlemen, please say hi to Kai. Kai, jump in the car. <laughs> Kai, not on the car, in the car. I don't you know if the car can him, hold your weight, Kai. All right, there we oh, go. Oh, 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 keep your eye on the road, man. Keep your eye on the road. <laughs> well, okay, welcome, yeah. Kai, welcome. How are you? Uh, excellent, how about yourself? I'm doing good, thank you. You know, a lot of people are calling you a hero because you did, you thwarted that, that crazy guy, right? Well, there's not so much difference between him and who they sell as Jesus anyways, is there? Well, I don't know. I, don't, I didn't. I haven't met him. Did he have a beard? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. He, he's a he's a fat, rich white guy. Now, um, you uh, you obviously millions of people have seen this video no, on the fat, rich people. No, fat white people. Yeah. Yes, I'm, you're sitting next to one. Um, <laughs> you uh, you become very famous now from YouTube, haven't you? I mean, people are recognizing you. Yep. Do, what do people say to you when they see you? Uh, they say, hey, you're Kai. You're that dude with the hatchet. I'm like, uh -huh. not anymore. Took it from me. I was trying to build this really cool ass tree house with willow hoops and like I was gonna make a dream catcher out of it and put wood planks on the floor. Right. And then have another little hoop above with the chains dangling uh, down beneath that one, tied up to a tree so I could drape tarps across that. Right. And then on the inside, have like some bed sheets with some moss in there for insulation. And you can put like a crab trap there on the inside of a inside of a hot water tank heater. Right. Yeah, 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 you can burn some wood in there. That would be really awesome to go surfing like and that. And you were going to do all that with a hatchet? What, is this some magic hatchet that you have that you wave and things, contractors appear? No, I'm just a badass <laughs> <laughs>It was February 11th, 2013, just 10 days into Kai's viral fame. And he was now on one of the most popular talk shows in the world. He sat beside Jimmy Kimmel in the passenger seat of a set car. The studio audience was roaring with laughter as Kai answered questions about his life, his philosophies, and described his plans to build a house of willow hoops and moss. By this time, there were Kai memes, Kai gifts, Kai Facebook pages, and a flurry of Twitter accounts like Dogtown Kai, Hatchet Guy Kai, Not the Fake Kai. There were Kai the Hitchhiker buttons and posters and t-shirts for sale, and it being February, there were Valentines that would read, I must ask you a question, and don't smash smash so mash my heart. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm sorry. That's just gold. One woman even knitted his likeness in the form of a tiny hatchet-wielding doll, which, side note, I totally want it. Or maybe I don't. <laughs> Cute and all, but he's actually kind of a psycho. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's continue. Now, suddenly, everywhere Kai went, everybody knew him, which means they wanted to get him stoned or buy him a drink. Or even a meal. Just get the man that they knew as smash, smash, so mash something. Many would even offer him money just to take a picture with him and share the story of how they met Kai, the hatchet-wielding homeless man, or hitchhiker, whichever way they would go. Nonetheless, it was always an honor and some sort of story to share when you met Kai. 
The original video was repeatedly transformed and remixed, including by the Gregory Brothers. They are best known for their extremely popular Bed Intruder song. In case you have no idea what I'm talking about, here's a little taste. I promise you're gonna recognize it almost immediately. Well, obviously we have a rapist in Lincoln Park. He's climbing in your windows, he's snatching your people up, trying to rape them, so y'all need to hide your kids, hide your wife, hide your kids, hide your wife, hide your kids, hide your wife. Yeah, that one, the whole hide your kids, hide your wife, that. Well, they had even remixed the whole smash, smash, so mash, as you heard at the beginning, the intro song was by them. Stephen Colbert even said, for the first time in human history, people are saying, boy, we sure are lucky that the homeless hitchhiker was carrying a hatchet. Something I don't think any of us ever would have thought would have been something someone would say. Oh my God, we're super lucky that that homeless man had a weapon. Oh, that's so cool, right? Oh my God. Usually we're warned of hitchhikers, especially if they have weapons. But this time we were praising it. However, Kai was not always who people wanted him to be. The things that made him stand out in the viral news video, his unpredictability, his irreverence, his audacity, could actually be what made him maddening in real life. In the towns of British Columbia where Kai had lived on and off, People would remember him as outgoing enough to sit down at a table full of strangers and have a conversation, but so unruly that he had been kicked out of every single drinking establishment in the town. As Jessup quickly learned, Kai was impossible to control or even predict. And there was also something on the inside of Kai that could suddenly turn dark, like some sort of switch had just flipped. He could go from extremely kind and generous to outwardly terrifying one moment later, equally crude and profound and cruel. While in California, Kai would ride his skateboard through the lobby of the Roosevelt Hotel, but this wasn't the only shenanigans that he would get into. While out on a fancy lunch with TV executives, he smashed a plate on the floor and yelled, OPA! He also urinated in Julio Iglesias' star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. He then decided to leave his backpack with everything he owned outside of the hotel for someone else to take. He told Jessup that he did this because, quote, look at where I'm staying tonight. Somebody else definitely needs this more than me. Also, before his appearance on Jimmy Kimmel, don't worry though, he apologized to a security guard and gave him some money. You know, a typical, I'm sorry, this should cover it. Sometimes Jessup would even wonder about Kai's mental health. Yeah, sure, his antics were a bit crazy and he just didn't seem to care. But where is the line between uninhibited and unbalanced? Don't worry, in just a matter of time, everybody would see it. With no hatchet in hand this time, the man known as Kai took the stand, but not before causing a few observers to chuckle. Just a moment. Listen listen to the clerk as she uh, states the oath to you so that you can respond to it, and you only need one hand up, the right hand. During his two hours of testimony, Kai explained in more detail the events leading up to the crash, including how he and Jet McBride stopped in the Tower District to buy and smoke marijuana. Kai then testified that just before the crash, McBride proudly told him about raping a 14-year-old girl. He's like, well, 
I've come to realize I'm Jesus Christ, and I get away with anything I want to. Watch this. And he, 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 I look up, and, and there's there's a whole crew of construction people in front of me, and I'm, they, most of them jumped aside, and one dude got pinned underneath. While PG&E worker Rayshawn Neely was pinned, Kai says McBride then turned on several people who tried to help. He's still holding on her, so I smash him again, and he's still holding on her hair. I was like, ass here, but I smashed him real good and hard. Rayshawn Neely then talked about the pain he has been living in since that day. Then in a surprise move, as Neely wheeled out of the courtroom, McBride apologized. Sorry, Rayshawn. Weeks after he had gone viral, Kai was now jumping from place to place, living on his wave of viral fame. During this time, Kai had also gotten a large tattoo on the right side of his face and neck. One website even held a contest to identify the images and what was exactly this tattoo. They would go on to describe it as, quote, a swirling miasma of mystical symbolism perfectly befitting a man of Kai's guru-like qualities. However, public attention and interest was already starting to turn on Kai. While some commenters defended the tattoo, others concluded that Kai was stupid or high or even mentally ill, or just maybe he was trying to get the attention back on him. By the end of March, a Facebook page that had been formed in Kai's honor and hosted concerts and events with him in Fresno was found to be shutting down. It also had a very stern message announcing, quote, we can no longer vouch for Kai's integrity towards people anymore. That was actually in all caps. They were very stern and very, very upset. Quote, Kai has worn out his welcome in Fresno to people's kind hearts and good graces. Among the many issues cited were, quote, constantly cussing in front of children with no remorse. Another was his blatant disrespect towards women. Another person had this to say, We hope Kai will help himself and best wishes to him. Lesson, disrespect, and unappreciation will get you nowhere. You are not going to come into our city and think that you can run over us with your so-called fame. People responded to this with emojis showing tears of sadness and tears of laughter. And of course, there were a couple of the gifts of Kai smash, smash, smashing. I think it's best summed up by this quote from somebody. Kai was fun for his 15 minutes of fame. And though Kai was at this point fading out of the limelight, he would soon be thrust right back in. But this time, his name would end up going down in infamy. Viral star to murder suspect, the man known as Kai the Hatchet-wielding Hitchhiker is now on trial more than six years after his arrest. Pictures from inside the court show Kai, whose real name is Caleb McGilvery, is accused of beating it to death 73-year-old attorney Joseph Galfi at his home in Union County, New Jersey, back in 2013. Now, prior to the murder, the suspect gained internet fame when his curse-laden story of how he used a hatchet to rescue two people was viewed more than 7 million times. The 29-year-old says that he is innocent and claims police destroyed evidence that would exonerate. This brings us to Tuesday, May 14th, 2013, about three and a half months after the viral video. A post suddenly appeared on Kai's personal Facebook page, seemingly written by him. Quote, what would you do if you woke up with a groggy head, a metallic taste in your mouth, 
in a stranger's house? What if you realized you'd been drugged and sexually assaulted? What would you do? Well, obviously, find them as fast as I could and smash them with a hatchet or whatever else I could find. That was actually a response from Terry Radcliffe, who was a Facebook friend of Kai's. To which Kai responded with, I like your idea. At this point, it was hard to know what to make of the post. After all, Kai would sometimes post things that were disturbing and dark. And it could be difficult to tell whether or not he was being serious or even if he was just joking and just trying to say things for attention because he did that. However, his friend asked, dude, what the fuck? Are you serious? People were questioning and a little unsure, as recently Kai had posted how he wanted to be in a porno film where the profits would go to, quote, a civil rights group that aims to arm single mothers in poverty-stricken areas with shotguns. So, obviously, <laughs> he jokes a lot. Days earlier, Kai had even written a long and detailed post saying that he was sexually and physically abused and locked in a cage as a child, and that his family were members of a cult who he believed were demons. He also believed that he had demons in him, according to this post. These kinds of posts were normal for Kai. But this one, the one about him being assaulted and waking up after the fact, was mildly disturbing to many. Especially Jessup, you guys remember him, the reporter who had discovered Kai. He knew of Kai's history and of sexual abuse and trauma. In the follow-up interview that Jessup had with Kai, Kai had recounted experiences described in the segment as darker and more gut-wrenching than you can ever imagine. The conversation they had in the interview and all of the other times that they had spent together made it clear to Jessup that Kai had some dark places and a particular animosity for people who would take advantage of others. His moods would quickly change, and drastically. Jessup knew if someone got into Kai's space, or even if he felt overstepped, things could go extremely badly. Kai would even sometimes talk about being a vigilante and going after pedophiles. In an interview with a California radio station in April, Kai talked about being sexually assaulted as a teenager. Quote, I realized I'd never let something like that happen to me again. He continued on by saying, I'd rather die than let something like that happen to me ever again. Now Kai doesn't die, but somebody else does. Are you guys ready to learn exactly what would put Kai back in the limelight again? Because we've arrived. So right up behind him with a hatchet, smash, smash, smash. And with those words, Caleb McGilvery went from being homeless to an unlikely celebrity. The 24-year-old became an internet sensation last February. That's after he intervened in an attack on a California utility worker. And watch this, bam, and he smashed into this guy right there, pinned him in between that truck. McGilvery was on the local news, describing how he used a hatchet to fend off the attacker. He quickly became known as Kai, the hatchet-wielding hitchhiker. But all that changed on Thursday. This is a guy whose picture's been all over, so apparently it wasn't, uh, you know, difficult to uh, recognize him um, as a person wanted up in uh, New Jersey. Inside this quiet suburban home, police discovered the body of a 73-year-old lawyer. He was beaten to death in his bedroom, wearing only his socks and underwear. Kai the hitchhiker went from savior to suspect. 
and within hours, an employee inside a Starbucks recognized him and quickly called 911. By the time police arrived, he was not there. Officers began to look in the immediate area. One officer went to the, took a chance and went to the Greyhound bus station, saw him in the waiting area, called for backup, and uh, made an arrest. This brings us to Joseph Gaffey Jr., who met a man who called himself Lawrence Kai in Times Square on a Saturday afternoon in May. It was the day before Mother's Day in 2013, and Joseph, who was 73 years old and a lawyer and a former military man, was a well-known and respected in a close-knit community of Clark, New Jersey. The two would leave New York together in Joseph's car and headed to his tidy suburban home. On the way, Joseph stopped and picked up some food and a pack of Newports. This is when he offered Kai a beer and a place to stay. In a very ominous way, without having any idea, a commenter by the name of Kim Conley said this on Kai's Facebook, You need to be very careful, Kai. To which Kai responded, I'm carefree and brave, I'll be fine. I found a good person who put me up for the night. Kai would leave Joseph's house the next morning, but would return the following night. But when Joseph Gaffey didn't show up for work on Monday and missed an appointment, his paralegal called some of his friends and neighbors and asked them to run to his house and check up on him. Robert Ellen Port, the former mayor of Clark and a longtime friend of Joseph's, arrived to his bungalow. He was disturbed to see it dark and quiet. Also, even more disturbing was the fact that the New York Times sat uncollected outside of the front door. Joseph had heart problems and other health issues. He had been living alone since the death of the man that he knew as his houseboy and employee. Yeah, he had a houseboy if you know what I mean. Many people knew that the houseboy was actually his partner for several years. So now that Joseph was alone, more people worried and kept an eye on him. Given Joseph's age and help, Robert had expected the worst. So when a police officer emerged from the house after getting a call for a wellness check, it looked as though it was grim. However, Robert was speechless when he learned of the details. His friend hadn't died of a heart attack or some apparent health reason related to what he had come to know of the man. Instead, his friend had been murdered. He would even be more shocked to discover that the suspect in the murder was a man that he recognized from a very bizarre story just a few months earlier. Kai would be arrested three days later in a Greyhound station in Philadelphia. He'd chopped his long hair short with a knife and had still been recognized by multiple people, both because of his internet fame and his distinctive tattoo on his face. You guys remember the one that the whole website was like, hey, what do you make of this thing? When the officer tapped him on the shoulder, Kai initially thought it was a fan seeking an autograph. So he turned around with a smile only to be shocked that it was a police officer. As for Joseph, well, he had been found face down on the floor of his bedroom, dressed in only his underwear and some socks. He had been brutally beaten, with fractures in his face, his neck, his ribs, and bleeding on his brain. One of his ears had also been completely torn off. Police had made the connection to Kai with text from Joseph's phone. And as you can imagine, it was just as sensational as the original story of Kai. Headlines everywhere read, Hatchet Hitchhiker Arrested for Murder. And is Kai the hero? Now Kai a killer. 
minutes ago, we learned who police are searching for the murder of a lawyer in Clark, New Jersey. It's a story you'll see only here on Eyewitness News. Eyewitness News reporter Phil Lipoff live in Elizabeth on this exclusive story. Phil? Yeah, and Ken, we've been working this exclusive story now for a couple of days. We've been talking to authorities. We can now report exclusively that there has been an arrest warrant issued in the murder uh, of the, um, the, the Clark man that you were talking about, this popular attorney, Joseph Galfi, was found uh, dead in his home Monday night. Now authorities have issued an arrest warrant. Wait until you hear who they are looking for. This is a story that goes from Fresno, California, all the way to Clark, New Jersey. Authorities are looking for a man known as Caleb Lawrence McGilvery. Uh, you might also know him as Kai the Hatchet-Wielding Hitchhiker. Kai's trial began in New Jersey in April of 2019. Kai had been held in jail for six years by this time, much of it in solitary confinement. During his six years in jail, he had attempted to take his life at least once. He appeared on the first day of court in a dark suit and tie, his hair hanging loose past his shoulders and a heavy chain abound his ankles. Kai's celebrity outside of the courtroom was, if anything, a liability inside of it. Before the trial even began, Union County Superior Court Judge Robert Kirsch denied any request by Court TV and Inside Edition to broadcast the proceedings and further barred mention of any kind of his internet fame during the trial. And that included the notorious, expletive-ridden video interview, which made him absolutely viral. Quote, it is obvious that he plays to the media. He's obsessed with it. That is what the judge had to say in court, but he wasn't done. He had more. He continued with this. I've never seen anything quite like it, quite honestly. For his own sake, I am removing that intoxicant to him so that he can focus on the matters at hand. Whenever Kai got close to mentioning the viral video or anything that referred to his internet fame during the trial, the judge immediately would shut him down. Though the court knew that Kai had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, his lawyer said that Kai didn't want his mental health to be considered as a defense. Except they did want it noted that he had post-traumatic stress disorder from an assault that he had as a teen. Basically, they only wanted to play it up if it was beneficial to Kai and what was going on. If it helped their case, then sure, we'll allow it. Testifying in his own defense, Kai repeated what he had already told police immediately after his arrest. That he had blacked out after drinking a beer both nights that he spent with Joseph and that he woke up Sunday night to find Joseph on top of him, pulling his pants down and trying to sexually assault him. He said that he'd only fought to get away and that he didn't actually know that Joseph was dead until he was arrested. Kai's lawyer also went on to raise questions about the police investigation, including why drinking glasses in the home weren't examined for drug residue, why blood and semen swab taken from Joseph's body wasn't tested for DNA, and why didn't police perform a rape kit on Kai after his arrest. Throughout the trial, Kai sometimes interrupted his own legal arguments and comments. At times, he was so disruptive that the judge would threaten to remove him from the courtroom altogether. One reporter noted that Kai's eccentric facial expressions and constant eyebrow raising were reminiscent of the YouTube video that made him so internet famous. 
Kai implied at times, if not blatantly alleging, collusion, corruption, and more so among the police department, lawyers, and even the judge. He noticed that the prosecutor repeatedly referred to the victim casually as Joe, as though the two were friends, which didn't really fly well with Kai. When the jurors were chosen, they had been pulled about their taste in TV shows. The judge would go on to warn the jury that real-life cases do not fit the narratives of Hollywood and TV shows. Just because they saw crime on TV doesn't mean they understood what they were about to witness. If the jury believed that Kai killed Joseph while defending himself, they could find him not guilty. They could also convict him of a lesser offense like manslaughter, which would recognize an act committed in the heat of passion or after provocation. Meaning he didn't intend, like he didn't knowingly go there to kill Joseph. Something happened and Joseph ended up dead. Therefore, it was manslaughter. At least they had the option to do that instead of just saying, nope, sorry, you killed him, it was murder. The jurors would deliberate for two days. In this time, they came back with one question about manslaughter. But when they returned a verdict, it was decided that he would be found guilty of first-degree murder. On May 30th, 2019, Kai was sentenced to 57 years in prison. The judge would say, quote, You created this public image of a surfing free spirit, unshackled by the constraints of materialism and consumption. But underneath that free spirit, the jury saw another side of you. You are a powder keg of explosive rage, a cold-blooded, calculus, callous killer. He noted that Kai will be eligible for parole in 2061, when Kai is roughly 72 or 73 years old, which, by complete coincidence, is still younger than Joseph when he was murdered. Given a chance to speak, Kai said that he had been wrongfully convicted by the system which was both corrupt and slacked against him. Quote, This has been nothing but a sham trial, and you have railroaded an innocent man. Shame on you. Kai the hatchet-wielding hitchhiker is now known as inmate number 1222665 at the New Jersey State Prison, a maximum security prison for dangerous and violent offenders. matter your looks, skills, or age, or size, or anything, you're, you're worthwhile. No one could ever take that away from you. Now, I'm caught, yeah. straight out of Dogtown. Yeah. 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 Yeah. Smash, 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 so guys, what did you think of Kai, the viral internet sensation turned murderer? To me, the story of Kai is pretty crazy, very interesting, and I just, I really needed to share it with you guys. I'm not sure how many of you knew of Kai or knew of what happened to him after his heroic tale that caused his viral fame. Well, now you know the whole story behind Kai, the hatchet-wielding hitchhiker. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Before I say goodbye, I have to let you know that there is a chance I may not release an episode next week. 
I leave Sunday with my family to go on a little vacation for roughly a week out in Orlando. I have friends that are visiting and I'm trying to give my time to them and not focus too much on work. Granted, I still will be creating content and doing research and there's a chance a podcast may be released. I just wanted to give you the heads up in case there isn't one. If a podcast is not released next week, I do promise that one will be released in the following week. But I'm gonna do my best and maybe I'll be here, maybe I won't. Nonetheless, I look forward to the next time we get together. The next time I can tell you one of the craziest tales that I have found from around our world. The tales and stories that leave me wondering, <laughs> what the actual F was that? I don't know, but maybe you can make light of them. Anyways, guys, I will talk to you on the next episode of What the Actual F. Stay safe, because I never want to tell a story about you. I love you, and goodbye!